Welcome to the teaching ministry at Magnolia's First. We hope the next few minutes will help you take your next steps on your faith journey. And we would love to help you take those next steps. Just head over to m1bc.org and fill out the connect form and a pastor will get in touch with you very soon. Or you can text us at 281-343-3033. Man, if you believe that, then it should change and affect the way that you operate every day. If you were truly mean for Jesus to, that is above all, and that he's in charge of all, and that nothing else matters, man, it should change everything about the way you operate. Because when you understand that Jesus created us for a purpose, for his glory, then every decision we make should fall in line with that understanding. Okay, now, we are talking about, sorry, I just had a, had a moment there, all right. Um, we're, we're in a series called Body Parts. I, I chose the name because I'm weird, but I wanted to convey that we are all, if you are a Christ follower, we are all part of a body, a singular body where, where Christ is the head, where Jesus is the head, and we are the body, all fit together perfectly. And last week, we talked about what part are you? And I said that everyone has a part to play. And I asked you to do a couple things, and the first thing was to take a spiritual gifts assessment, and wow, thank you for listening, because there was a lot of you that took that test, and that was fantastic. I get an email every time somebody takes one, and well, it was just, there was a couple times I looked at it, and I was like, wow, that's a big number. It was great. So I hope that that was helpful to you, and if you really uh, if you took it and it was still a little confusing to you and you'd like some more guidance, please just reach out to me. I would love to help walk you through some of these steps to finding your part. The other thing was I asked you to, to read Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, because as you come to understand your gift, as you come, un, come to understand what the Holy Spirit has given you in your heart, you need to understand what it looks like in the body. And that's what Paul was trying to describe to, to the Ephesians. So, again... I, I used to be a teacher. This is not the teacher calling you to the carpet if you didn't do your assignment, but you got one more week. Okay? I'm not going to grade until next week. All right? So read the book of Ephesians. It is, it is a very, very incredible book, powerful book. And don't read it fast just because I told you to. No, I'm just kidding. This is the whole teacher thing going in. Don't just do it because I told you to. Listen, the, last week I mentioned that the goal and the understanding that you are uh, a, a part of the body brings about the goal of unity. Unity being really held together by the love that we have. The fact that Jesus told us to love. Jesus, before he went to the cross, prayed, God, may they be one as you and I are one. That's where the power lies within this whole thing is that we rely on each and every one of us. We can't all do it individually. We need each other. As talented as some of the people are that are out there in this audience, and there are some incredible people, 
Mostly, I, can, I guarantee you, I know a lot of you out there that are very talented. There are a lot of people sitting next to some very talented people you don't even know. Very talented people. And if you want, if you want to know, come tell, I'll, I'll brag on those people uh, because they're very talented. But the reality is, even those very, very talented people can't do it all. And what we need to understand with unity is that it doesn't look the same. Unity is not uniformity. It does not mean that everybody's going to be the same as you, and thank goodness, because if you were all as weird as me, you, we'd have some serious problems around here. But I was created in a certain way, and you were created in a certain way, to have unity together as part of the body of Christ. And God did that intentionally. And in John chapter 15, verse 16 and 17, we see Jesus explaining that. He says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. And this is my command, love each other. You were designed with a purpose, on purpose. If you don't remember anything else, write this part down and then you, could, you can have a nice day. But this is what I want you to really grasp onto today and walking out of here. That you were designed with a purpose on purpose. There's no accidents. There's no mistakes. And there's no, I'll just give him a 50% part of that. There's no partials. It is 100% created on purpose for a person, purpose. Grab that and hold on to that truth. In Christ, you were designed for a purpose. And last week we looked in the book of, of 1 Corinthians and Paul's letter as he was, he was helping them walk through this disunity that they were, they were working through. They had decided... You know, as, as you do, you start to fall off and they were starting to follow different teachers as the way. And what Paul wanted to understand is, no, 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 it's not about this teacher, it's not about that teacher. It is about the one who came. It is about Jesus Christ alone. That is where our unity should fall. And as Paul is addressing this, he uses the illustration of a body. And he talks about in verses 14 through 17, that we are many parts working in unity. And if the whole body was a single part, what good would that be? Or, or if the one part said to the other part, go away, I don't need you, it doesn't work that way. The body was made perfectly, intentionally, by design, by a great designer. In verse 18, Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians 12 to say, but our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. You spend the whole day just on that line right there to help you understand that who you are and what you've been made in Christ is exactly where he wants you to be. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. 
And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. And here in 25 and 26, we see the unity part, pointing back to unity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. That's how we should operate. If one part of our body is suffering, we should all suffer with it. We should all feel that pain. And when one part celebrates, we too should celebrate with them. Because one victory, we see two kids come to Christ through the kids' ministry, we should be celebrating that. We should be screaming it from the rooftops, how amazing our God is that two, two wonderful young children were dead and they're now alive. We as a body celebrate that together and it's amazing. That is the way we were designed, perfectly. Now, I have a little story about my body. Um, a few years ago, and by few I mean seven years ago, I was summoned, called by a buddy to do a little job. Uh, he said he had an awning on his house that was, that was not built very well, and the way that it was, water was, as it rained, water would run back into his house and flood his house. And he said, could you come help me get a couple guys together and come help me take down this awning? Now, listen, I am not construction skilled. I don't even know how to say it. I'm not a contractor. Okay? You give me a hammer, I'm going to make a mess. I can tear some stuff up, though. So I said, okay. So we went over to his house, and it's a pretty good-sized awning on the back of his porch. And we came up with a system because we wanted to keep it clean, and we wanted to make it as safe as possible that we would knock certain parts of it down, and then we'd pick it up, and we'd put it on the trailer so that we could haul it off later. We had all agreed to that. It was an agreement. It was verbal. They didn't have a contract, we, but this was the way we were doing it, and we had done it for at least two hours. It was my turn. I walked up. I went to pick up something, a big piece of wood, and I hear, boom, and out of the corner of my eye, I see another large piece of wood coming down like this, and then I saw it, smash my thumb with great vengeance. And I jumped back and I put my hand behind my back and I did a little dance and I went like this and I hear those wonderful words that you want to hear anytime something like that happens. Ooh, did that get you? Yes, yes it got me. And I was, I was walking around, I was pacing and I'm, if you've ever hit your finger with a hammer, you know that feeling. There's pressure, there's pain, and then it usually kind of starts to subside. And that's what I was waiting for. I was waiting for that, that sweet relief. It did not come. And I was sitting there, and my hand is still behind my back, and I haven't looked at it, and I just said, okay, Seth, it's time. Let's just see what happened. I mean, I didn't know. And I went like this, and I went like this. And then I got real pale. I sat down. I asked for some water. 
And then I, after I nearly passed out, my friends went, let me see. And so I pulled it out, and they went, oh, we, mm, wow, we got to go. So I went home, wrapped it up real good, went home, walked in. Wife said, you're back early. I said, well, hurt my hand. And she said, oh, what are you, you have to understand, I, I get hurt often, okay? At this point, it was not like a, it was a, what'd you do this time? And so I unwrapped my thumb and I showed it to her and she went, oh, goodness, we gotta go somewhere. And so we did, we went to the doctor. It was a Saturday, of course. I didn't want to go to the emergency room. I didn't even want to go. I said, it'll be fine. She said, it's not gonna, there's pieces of your thumb that are not where they should be. We went to the doctor, we walked into him, and I went, hey, I did something to my thumb, and he went, oh. So he takes the nail off, stitches it up, and he goes, your nail might grow back. It did not. I'm here to tell you, seven years later, it has not grown back. I got two little weird nubs that are only good for catching it on my pocket when I put my hand in there, and that hurts so bad. And guess what? Not having this little nail is a huge problem. I used to be the best at when my kids would bring me a, a shoestring that had been tied into a really tight knot, I used to be the best at getting that out. Nothing. Can't do it at all. Get a little piece of fruit with a little sticker on it. Nothing. And you might be saying, Seth, you have a left-handed finger. Well, do something with your left hand, okay? It's not useful. You need the one that you're dominant with. And what, what hit me eventually was grief and sadness and all those things. But how small a body part makes such a difference. There are things in my life that I just can't do now because I don't have a thumbnail. And I, I was going to bring some really gross pictures and put them up on the slides, but I figured that might be too much. But if you want to see those, I got them, okay? If you want to see really what, what really happened. But this thumbnail, like the body of Christ, when something is removed or it's not doing its job, we feel it because we need it, every part. You see, our value system is broken, we believe that if we're not the most important and we're not the most talented, then what good could we possibly be? And that is a lie. You're believing a lie. And, and you are not embracing your purpose. See, unfortunately, the most important parts, the parts that are seen, they get the most attention. They get the screen time. They get to, they get to be known but that's not what Scripture teaches us. In fact, what Scripture teaches us is that the parts that are unseen, the parts that are unnoticed, those are typically the glue that holds everything together. Those are the most important parts. In fact, Paul said they are actually the most necessary. Hopefully, hopefully, none of you have ever seen your bones. But if you didn't, have them, you'd be a big puddle of goo. We need them. They're very important. We also need the ligaments that are attached to the muscles that are attached to the bones 
so that we can move around and flail about. But we've never seen them, and most of us don't even think about them until they get hurt. All of those parts are necessary. And in the body of Christ, we need each other. We need you to embrace your part. And when one of us is affected, when one of us is ineffective, when one of us is not operating properly, we all are affected. We must hold each other accountable and not worry about the levels of importance because we understand that God made us this way intentionally. And Jesus illustrated this with a parable as his disciples were asking, what is the kingdom of heaven gonna look like? When's it coming? What is all, those, what is all of this going to come about? Jesus, in only the way that he could, uses a parable. He uses a passage of scripture in Matthew 25 where he, he talks about the kingdom of heaven. And in verse 14, it says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. I'm gonna say that again. Dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. God knows us. He designed us. And he distributes accordingly based on our abilities. Understand that. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I've earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The same response, five bags and two bags. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. And then Jesus wraps it all up to help us understand. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have abundance. 
But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We are responsible for what God has given us and he's given all of it to us. You might think that you've earned something. You might think that you were the one that made all these things happen, but I'm gonna tell you, God did it for you. God is in control of it all. And whether you are a five-bag servant or a one-bag servant, God has appointed you for the purpose. And he is asking you to steward what he's given you well. And it doesn't matter. He, listen, we're, we're going to be called to give an account not based on how much we return, but how well we steward what we've been given. For some of us, maybe all our life we're only going to be the one-bag servant. Great, that's, that's what God has intended for you and you should steward it well with everything that you have. And not constantly think, well, if I had five bags, I could do way more. And we do that all the time, right? We look at the job that we have and we go, well, if I was the boss, I would be able to do this, this, and this. So I'm, you, know, you spend most of your time thinking about what you would do if you were in another position instead of doing the job that you've been given. Listen, I know this because I do the same thing. It's our nature to try to be in control and to try to move up in the world. That's what we're, we've, we've grown up in that kind of idea here in America, that you must constantly be moving up. And God says, no, listen, I've given you this for a purpose and for a time until I give you more, steward this well. And don't disqualify yourself if you say, well, what I do is not that important. What I do doesn't even matter. My gift is just, if, if I don't show up, nobody will notice. Guess what? We notice. The body of Christ notices. We need each and every part. Some of you might have a little bit of inner frustration right now. You don't know where you fit. You don't know what you should do. You don't even know why you're here. And it's because you haven't embraced your purpose. What, when you embrace your purpose, a passion wells up inside of you. And you, you do this thing because you know it's what you were built for. And until you grasp it, man, you're just gonna be spinning your wheels. You'll start looking everywhere else for things that are gonna suffice and bring you, you know, things that would make you feel better but it's just gonna be empty until you walk into the place that God has for you right now and understand that contentment that he's looking for in your heart to know that you're in the right place, God's place for you. But unfortunately, many of us aren't faithful because we don't believe that we're in the right place. We must embrace that, even when it's difficult and even when it's not the most glamorous. And Jesus modeled that for us in the garden right before he went to the cross. He embraced his purpose, the reason he came to this earth. And his human nature side said, 
I don't want to do this. His words, not let this cup pass from me, but, and as we should do, not my will, but your will, Father. And he went to the cross for us. He perfectly set the example of what we should do as we embrace our place, embrace our purpose, and know that God has us designed perfectly. And imagine, imagine how amazing it would be if we all embraced our purpose. Imagine what we could do in this community. Imagine what this church could do to make a difference in the city of Magnolia if we all embraced our purpose. It would be unbelievable. We would see God move in incredibly amazing ways. And don't get me wrong. God's going to move. He's going to do things. But when the body of Christ comes together, you will see amazing things happen. That's what we want. That's what we desire. That because that's not, not because we want to be great and big and known. No, because we want Jesus to be known. That's why we want to all come together and embrace our purpose so that Jesus would be made known in a world that has forgotten, in a world that hasn't been introduced to the Savior of the world. So whatever your part is, understand that it matters. You might be thinking, yeah, well, the little part that I can play it doesn't matter. The, the place where I serve, nobody notices. The little tithe that I put in the box, it doesn't really make that much of a difference. Yes, it does. It makes a huge difference. If what you're doing is embracing your purpose that God designed you for, it makes a huge difference. So what are you doing with the talents that you've been given? What are you doing with the bags that, that the master has given you? And what is the master gonna say to you when he returns? And we're, we are all called to give an account. Is he gonna say, well done, good and faithful servant, let's celebrate? Or is it gonna be the opposite? And is he, is he gonna be disappointed? Here's, here's two things that I want you to do this week to help you take that next step, to help you embrace your purpose in the body. Here's two things. The first one is, as you embrace your purpose, I want you to engage someone to be a Christ follower. And that's gonna look very different all the way across the board because we are all different parts with all different purposes. For some, it is going to be a vocal expression of someone's need for Jesus as Savior, and you're going to share the gospel with them. Whatever it looks like in your life, it needs to be surrounded by love. You need to show the love of Jesus to people. That's how you engage them to be Christ followers. That's something that we all can do, is we can show Jesus' love to people be attentive to what the Spirit is leading you to have a conversation, to help a person out, to be kind to someone else, 
to be patient with someone else, to show those fruits of the Spirit to people and watch how the Holy Spirit opens their hearts to the gospel and be prepared to give an account. And the second thing is this. Join this Bible plan. I think this Bible plan, uh, it's a six-day plan. We'll start it tomorrow. We'll, we can do it together. If you have the, the Bible on your phone, the Bible app, version app, you can scan this QR code, right, that's coming up very soon. Uh, you can scan the QR code that's on the slide, and you can join me and many others in a Bible plan about the body parts of Christ. We can do it together. We can even comment together on what the Spirit is teaching you and what God is teaching you in this study. It's going to help you to find your place. It's going to help you to embrace your place. If you aren't like a lot of our friends here who have their cameras out and you don't know what you're doing, you can text the Connect number, 281-343-3033. Just say, I want to join the Bible plan. And then I'll respond back eventually today with a direct link to you so you can join on there too if the QR code makes you a little bit nervous. That's good. Embrace your purpose. Know that you were created with a purpose on purpose today. Say that to yourself every day this week. I was created with a purpose on purpose. And your story up to this point is exactly where God wants you to be. Embrace it and live that out. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you that you made us so perfectly. Thank you that you knit every one of our cells together perfectly and that you have moved in our hearts, moved in our minds in a way that is perfectly, uniquely designed for our purpose that you give us. God, help us to embrace that this week. Help us to put away our pride. Help us to put away our, our selfishness and to embrace whatever it is that you've given us. God, help me to understand the truth of the design that you have made for me and to take that next step of faith with you and watch how amazing the results will be. God, I pray the same for my brothers and sisters out here, that they would embrace it and that they would walk anew with you. Father, thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray.